Good morning. Good morning, friends. Tony Pellegrini here, and uh, grateful for you tuning in this morning, this afternoon, wherever you might be, uh, to uh, visit with us and uh, visit with us about the uh, teaching and learning here at SUU uh, and the wonderful things that are going on. We have a guest today, uh, Dr. Lynn White, who is um, participating with us and will uh, visit with us and, and uh, take some time to explain some of the wonderful things that she does to keep her students engaged and moving forward within her classes. Lynn, would you be willing to take a moment or two and tell us a little about yourself, a, a little yeah. about your activity here at SUU? Yeah, sure, Tony. Um, well, I've been here since 1997, so this is, I'm starting my 23rd year of teaching here, yes. So accomplishment I suppose it absolutely fun. is uh, but I come from Quebec Canada and uh, I guess an interesting you know thing about me is that I was raised five months of the year in the bush in northern Quebec oh my and so uh, it was uh, quite the struggle up and out uh, to get here and I'm very grateful to be at SEU. It's a wonderful place. Well, it, it, so. I, I think it may be a little bushy from time to time here, but <laughs> not too terrible, I yeah, hope. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, please, go, go oh, ahead. Uh, well, so I think you asked about, you know, what I do here? Yes, please. Okay. Uh, so I teach in the psychology department and uh, over the years I've taught a wider range of classes and I think that's because Initially, uh, we were a very small department. There were only five or six of us. And so you had to kind of be a Jack or Jill of all trades. Hopefully not a master of none, but, <laughs> but you did have to take on a wide array. So um, I teach uh, physiological psychology. We call it brain and behavior to make it a little less intimidating for students. Um, recently, um, I uh, was able to create two labs to go along with that. So we've got a animal behavioral neuroscience lab now at SU and well, we've had it for a long time, but it's got a new name. Uh, but recently we started a human neuropsychophysiology lab. But that doesn't scare kids away. Um, I think they're drawn to it <laughs> oh, because okay, it good. sounds so impressive. They want to put that on a resume. All right. Yeah. So I teach that and I teach uh, health psychology, stress and pain. Um, statistics, research design, and um, independent research. And the last three courses all have labs attached. So, um, yeah, keeps me out of trouble. I, I, I think it absolutely would. Mm -hmm. I think it absolutely, there's so much to do. Yeah. Um, wanted to ask you a few questions or address a few questions. And, mm -hmm. and uh, maybe you could go in just a little more detail. You, you've identified some of the classes that you teach. Could you go into a little more detail maybe uh, about those classes that you teach for our listeners uh, mm -hmm. and potential students maybe that would like to, to be involved with those? Okay. Um, well, the ones I think that they, the students um, uh, might like the most uh, because these are, are optional classes uh, for most people and they appeal to a wide range of majors would be the health psych and stress and pain classes. Uh, so health psychology, best way to explain that, I think, is to say that it's a marriage between psychology and medicine. And um, health psychology tries to find ways to work within the medical field um, to improve people's health and well-being, keep them uh, healthy longer. And if they do get sick, find ways of promoting recovery um, a quicker recovery and more extensive recovery. 
So it's using psychological principles and theories uh, to, you know, to, towards those goals. And um, we even work with uh, policymakers um, to look at ways to improve, uh, whether it's, you know, health insurance policies or, um, you know, hospital administration policies. There's lots of things that health psychologists do beyond research um, and working directly with uh, potential clients. Well, I could see how that would be very uh, invitational and engaging to your learners who want uh, professions within oh, those areas. Oh, absolutely. A lot with health, uh, health benefit uh -huh. or health uh, issues or health um, mm -hmm. uh, professions. There's only going to, we're only going to need more than less in the future, aren't we? We, yes. In fact, the, this area is projected to grow tremendously over the next uh, decade or so as health concerns become more and more salient for those of us who are, well, we're getting more and more age experienced. Guilty as charged. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so, uh, uh, you know, one, uh, I, I love it here in Cedars, you can tell, and I know you love it here as well too, but as we, as I go to Salt Lake or down into Las Vegas, I'll, I'll come over the top of the hill and see that brown haze yeah. that's over. And so yeah. we live in such a wonderful place, we can look out the window here, and it may be a little hazy way, way, way away, but. We really do have some strong benefits of living here and, and the health-related issues yeah. that, that we have. So I think that's part of the reason why these people are coming, maybe. Maybe, yeah. And maybe. maybe a little bit of that. Well, and the great reputation that SUU has. It, so. it, we do. We yeah. do. We're very happy with that. Um, I ask my uh, – I work with teachers, uh, K-12 teachers all the time, and when I am in class with them, I'll ask them, what is your teaching philosophy? Can I pull your arm or can I invite you to talk to us about your philosophy? How do you, sure. What's your philosophy of teaching? Uh, well, it's evolved over the years. Good. <laughs> Constantly changing, you know, but um, I think there's kind of three parts to it maybe that I'd, I'd like to, to talk about. And one, it's going to sound oversimplified, but I'll expand a little. Um, and that is um, to say where there's a will, there's a way. Uh, and I think... Um, well, what I'm referring to here, of course, is motivation, right? Motivation to teach and motivation to learn because in a classroom environment uh, or an extracurricular environment, it goes both ways. So teachers who come in um, under-motivated or uninspired, uh, you know, how can you expect a student to show any enthusiasm for the course if you yeah. yourself don't do that. And so when I come in, short of bouncing off the walls, I try to, you know, get them to see how wonderful this course is going to be and why it's important to them. In fact, in health psychology, I come in and tell them, I'm going to teach you things that might very well save your life and the lives of people you love. And so I try and get their attention right away. And, um, and then, it, but like I said, it's a two way street. So it would be hard, I think, for a teacher to maintain that level of optimism and enthusiasm if students, you know, sat there and... It really is kind of a symbiotic relationship, it is. isn't it? It is. And so I try and build rapport right on day, you know, right at day one. Uh, and like I said, I, I try to see how the course is going to be important for them and uh, build up their intrinsic motivation to take the class. And uh, that seems to work fairly well. Uh, you know, some, some are more of a challenge, but I, I love challenges. 
And I'll bet you found one or two that have even pushed you with their enthusiasm. Oh, and you know, it, it, it goes on both sides of the the both sides of the scale. You've got some students that really absolutely encourage you in your motivation. Mm -hmm. um, I've had students, and I tell I tell people that you know the students have made me if, if to the extent that I'm a better teacher today, it's because of the students who have given me feedback. Whether it's you know the brightness of their eyes as they hear something that intrigues them. Or the tears and statistics when I say something that maybe you know might go a little bit over their head, but it's um, invigorated me. It's inspired me to you know try to find more engaging ways uh, to connect with students and to get them excited. And absolutely, it's a you know both a two it's a two way street. It is fun. It is fun. That um, is really good. So so that's that's one part of my my teaching philosophy is to you know. Uh, recognize the importance of motivation on both sides of the equation. Um, the other has to do with setting the bar, and I think this is something that we all kind of um, find a little challenging. You know, you want high academic standards, but you don't want it to exclude students. Um, and, and it's a funny thing, because over the years I found that it seems like no matter where I set the bar, a lot of times I see students just doing what they can to just make it, right? Over that Guilty as charged too. It's yeah. kind of human nature a little bit maybe. Well, it's interesting because I have a theory about that. Okay. And it might not be, it might be that I heard it somewhere else. So. That is okay. <laughs> but, that is okay. But we've, you know, we um, have seen, you know, with the advent of the internet and video games and everything else, you know, we're bombarded with stimuli every day. And... It's quick changing stimuli. It's hard to keep anybody's attention on one thing for very long. And so I kind of wonder if, um, you, you know, students are accustomed to, you know, wanting to do more and wanting to do everything, particularly enjoyable things. Mm -hmm. So if we set the bar uh, the, in a way that they perceive that it's out of their reach, then they may not try, and I think it's because of FOMO, you're okay. missing out, okay. right? They, to reach that bar, it's going to take a lot of time and energy and resources, other resources, and to the extent that they have to invest that, they're not doing other things that they want to do. So the challenge for me is to have a very high bar because I think that they can do it, you know, but put it so high that they they don't see how high it is like they but i give them all the resources so they they achieve it without thinking about the resources that they're investing themselves i, I think that's and powerful to almost put a ladder up next to it so that you that you've created yeah. to, to to step by step go yeah, up that ladder yeah. and be able to make those accomplishments yeah um and and i think if you engage them in such a way that they're not thinking about the other things that they could be doing. <laughs> you know, we don't want FOMO to be no. in the classroom, right? So um, it's, it's it, challenging, but doable. Well, and, and, and I love the attitude of challenging, but doable. You, you see these uh, students, I'm gonna call them children, they're my grandchildren's age, but as they come in, you have a wide continuum of, of learners uh, that come in. Um, how do you try to address that wide variety of learning styles that they come to you with? How do you um, uh, 
build them up or, or help them develop the successes where they're where they're strong yeah well uh one way is i i think that uh you need to have or use techniques that um, engage the senses and you know some people are auditory learners and others um, they like to see things so you have them read information and others are more tactile and they like to act things out and so I have tried to put a wide array of activities in the classroom. Some are visual, some are auditory, and we do act some things out. I don't know if anybody's um, who's listening is familiar with the action potential, but you know, neural transmission, and we do the wave in class to act that out. And you know, so I'm always looking for ways that we can appeal to students' senses, and I think that's one way. And the other is to have, of course, a wide variety of assessments, different types of assessments. Mm -hmm. So that way um, they can, if they can't succeed in one, well, I shouldn't say can't, but they if they have struggle, trouble yes. to succeed in mm -hmm. one, then they have the opportunity to succeed in the other. And I think that, you know, building up self-confidence and self-esteem and self-efficacy are all good ways of, you know, um, encouraging them and showing them that it is something that they can do regardless of their learning style. Well, what a wonderful opportunity as well for them to take the, that knowledge, those knowledge, skills, and dispositions from that, from your class to other classes to say, I'm particularly a, a tactile learner mm -hmm. and it really helps or what can I do in here to, to reach out to a professor and say, what can I do in here to, mm -hmm. to have, to, to use that particular sense or as they go into their own professions or into their own personal uh, relationships, these are things that uh, I do well, and I'm mm -hmm. going to be able to see, see, succeed, and mm -hmm. provide support to your organization mm -hmm. as far as a employment. And, and, and the other thing is, I'm not against students coming in. In fact, I, I invite them to do this. If they struggle, say, you know, well, how do you think, uh, you know, what ways do you think you learn and how can we adapt what we're doing in class to uh, align with those styles? You know, so I get a lot of feedback from students. Oh, you know what? It would really help me if you did X, Y, Z. And then I try and figure out, okay, so how can I do X, Y, Z? How can I get that done? Yeah. That's and, wonderful. Yeah. Um, have you always been a great teacher? I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, like, I... I struggle to see this as, you know, a great teacher. I'm an enthusiastic teacher. Okay. And um, I think, and uh, I, I hope that I have a lasting impact on students. And, and I guess, you know, I um, saw a student that I, I hadn't seen since 2003. And, and, you know, I must confess I didn't recognize her. Uh, 2003 was a, a while ago. She, she looked at me and she goes, are you Lynn White? You know, and I'm like, uh, maybe <laughs> and uh, she was telling me how uh, she took my stress and pain class back in 2003 and how she used it recently um, you know in her own life you know she was going through a um, challenging part of her life and so you know that's that's nice to to get that kind of feedback and everything um, but you know it, it's it's I think you have to also recognize that you're not going to be able to, you know, reach everybody. And I, and I struggle with that because, you know, it's, I really want to, but there are just some people that, 
for whatever reason. We're different personalities, exactly. whatever it might be. And, exactly. and you know, I really see that as a hurdle, maybe, that we, um, that can be a challenge to us as teachers. I think every, all of our listeners, we'd love to touch everyone's minds, everyone's hearts. Um, uh, can you talk for a moment maybe about how you address that hurdle or maybe other hurdles that you've had? And maybe, let me go back just a second and sure. rephrase the question. Sure. Um, have you always been an enthusiastic teacher? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are some of the things that you've had to overcome to, to get to, and, you know, uh, what challenges or opportunities, you know, did you have to really work towards to become um, as enthusiastic as you are, Lynn? Well, uh, I, I think initially I didn't have a large toolbox of techniques, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I knew, um, I knew the techniques that I had been exposed to as a student. And probably you were comfortable with as well. Right, right. And, and so, and, and the, the techniques though that I was exposed to, I mean, back then, as you know, uh, faculty stood in front of a podium with lecture notes and just read from their lecture notes. And so I started off kind of doing the same thing, you know, and I would try and get excited about what I was reading, but, and I realized that that was no longer going to cut it. And, and so it was a lot of communicating with students. It was a lot of communicating with other faculty, uh, going to conferences to learn about techniques. Uh, you know, with the advent of Google, <laughs> that's been a great And the resource. internet, oh my goodness, oh. the kids are different today than they were back in 2002, they aren't are. they? <laughs> they? They are, they are. Uh, and in, in, uh, in many ways, I think, uh, it, the changes I've seen are very positive and others you know, I, I worry about, but I try and figure out, okay, well, how, how can we take advantage of these changes and, and um, change ourselves in such a way to align better with them and, and address them, you know, from a more personal standpoint or whatever it takes to get them to improve and to grow and to learn and everything else. So, um, so I think the obstacle at first was just not knowing, not knowing what I could do. Um, and time, time is always going to be an issue, right? So it, it is. We have, we've only got 14 more weeks this semester. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second, we're a week behind. Have no, <laughs> no, you're, you're there. You're there. But uh, I think that you're, you're, um, you're listening to students. Uh, they can be a great teachers for us. They can provide some great and listening to other peers like you had mentioned mm -hmm. can be great supports to us to say, let me give some of these things a try. Yeah. If you're brave enough to share that with me, boy, I should be brave enough to experiment a little bit right. and, and try a little bit. Some of these techniques, approaches that may help or assist you. Well, I, um, I actually, I, not to say that these techniques will work for everybody in every class, but I, I have a website and I have posted uh, what I do with the students in each class. Uh, and it's intended primarily for the students so they know what to do and what the different assignments are and the different activities and everything. But if anybody wanted to go there and check it out. I would love to get that from you. When you get back, would you send it an email with the address? Yeah. And I promise when I put the link up to this podcast, I'll put that up as well yeah. so they can click on that. Yeah, That'd well, be I, wonderful. I know I have heard from a few uh, faculty that they've been 
visiting the site and Wonderful. using some of the things that I do in class. And I know some of the students who've gone on to uh, get PhDs themselves are now using some of that material. How exciting. So, but you know, it's sharing like this, I think that's key, you know, so students sharing with you, peers, you know, back and forth sharing. If we stay in our isolated little pods, you know, that's gonna limit improvement. And so I am all ears. I'm just so tickled with your that uh, you know that your students are are coming back and using some of those. It reminds me, uh, Archimedes said, "If I had a lever long enough, I could change the world." When you first started teaching here in the late '90s, you had a lever long enough to change those kids in your class. But over time, as they've moved on and progressed, you've moved out on that ladder, and really your efforts or that that lever, excuse me, and really you are um, uh, touching lives of people. Uh, so far, you're you're changing the world because wow. of some of the efforts that you're making. So keep doing what you're doing. Well, <laughs> I think educators as a whole are helping to change the world. I hope I so. so. I hope so. I do. Our time's just about up, yeah. but I do have to. I, I, I I'm sorry. I do have to ask one last question. On a scale of one to ten, <laughs> how weird are you? Uh, Lynn? Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about on Lynn's scale? How's that? Uh, well, you see, I think maybe that's what makes me weird is I think I'm normal, but everybody else thinks I'm weird. <laughs> I think. I think. Uh, but, I, you know, I maybe it's from growing up in the bush, but I've got uh, cockroaches in my office. They're contained. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a snake in my office. Oh, my goodness. Up until recently, I had a tarantula in my office. Um, I uh, have them, I, I tell people, well, they're for educational purposes. In reality, I just love to scare people and oh be scared. Goodness. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I've, I've got that part of my personality, that kind of darker side, if you will, but a fun darker side. I like fun dark, that's uh, just great. And then I've got this other side, I, I like to wear sparkles around my eyes okay. and, you know, drink, uh, um, not drink. Well, maybe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, dress in pink tie dye. I mean, like mm -hmm. I've got, like I just like doing weird stuff. Weird stuff. Well, you connect with uh, some out there. You connect <laughs> with some, and so it's wonderful to to be able to push you just a little bit gently on that. That's wonderful. Keep doing what you're doing, uh, friends. Uh, this is going to to wrap up our our our, our meeting today with uh, Lynn White here at SUU. Uh, we're just tickled about your uh, participation and Lynn's uh, connection as well. And Lynn, thank you so much for for engaging with us and for all that you do. And we just uh, please, uh, I will put her website out here for your uh, your review learners. And uh, we will continue our great association that we have. And thank, thank you. you so very much. Thank you. Appreciate it.